Are you a sex worker looking to build a new website or a website redesign? Then you'll want to consider Fox Digital. They did a fantastic job designing my website, Stripped by Sia. If you want your website done, mention that you're a listener of the show at foxdigital.design for 20% off. Tell them I sent you. Welcome back to another episode of Strips by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. I am your host, Steph Sia, aka Kimchi, on stage. Um, if you are listening, uh, yeah, I won't be on stage for another month. I'm taking another little break. Um, come see me at Shaker's Show Lounge or the Penthouse in Vancouver, Canada. That is where I usually am, or just follow me on all the socials so you can kind of know where I am if you want to chat about the show, buy dance for me, etc., etc. Beyond that, I am a digital content creator. I was also a sugar baby for a number of years, and now I just do the show. Uh, I've been doing this show for the past few years, talking about sex work in order to try to destigmatize our industry, because as you may know, it's very um, misinformed a lot. Um, oftentimes, you don't get to hear the stories of real sex workers, so I try to do my best to kind of... Um, dispel all the myths, all the assumptions, all the stereotypes by bringing different people on every single week that are part of the adult industry, whether you're a performer, you're a talent, um, you're behind the scenes in porn, or in today's case, uh, you're a legal attorney (laughs) specializing in the adult industry, which I'm super excited to talk about. I will be announcing today's guest in just a few minutes here, but we got to get through all the things. So if you want to fast forward five minutes, that's totally fine. I just want to say hello and thank you to all the Patreon subscribers that have subscribed recently. Um, People that are on the top tier just want to say hello, give you a personalized shout out here on the show. We've got Snoo Snoo from Germany. We've got Arup Sarkar here from British Columbia, as well as Jay Sunsern. Thank you so much for always supporting since day one, as well as Justin Erickson from Vancouver, Washington. We also have Ted McGuire. Uh, We've got some new people here, Marty Lang. We've got Earl Kwan and Trey Lanti. Thank you so much for uh, subscribing to the show. Um, If you're curious, um, on Patreon, it's a great way of supporting the show. It really basically helps fund my website and putting all the episodes up on there and uh, for people to access me a bit more freely um, in a more chill and casual way. You get to see things behind the scenes, some exclusive video content, which can be fun and spicy, and um, just kind of getting a sneak peek on uh, new episodes that are coming out, new guests I have uh, lined up and stuff too. So be sure to check it out. It is patreon.com slash stripped by Sia um, for as low as $4 a month. Um, in addition to that, uh, also a big shout out to my network. It is skyhawkafterdarktv.com. Skyhawk After Dark is a network of adult uh, video casts, uh, also similar um, podcasts just like mine. We've got, we've got a lot of guests that I've brought on to show uh, that have their own shows that are also on the network. So please go check it out. It is skyhawkafterdarktv.com. And last but not least, the website I was telling you about is Stripped by Sia, and that was made by my friend, uh, 
at Fox Digital. His name is Anthony. He's also sex worker friendly. Uh, he's also an ally for us as well. Uh, we've done an episode uh, with him not too long ago in this season. So for Stripped by Sea listeners, you get 20% off. So be sure to check him out. Tell him I sent you. It is foxdigital.design and ask for Anthony. Okay, we've got that actually under four minutes, which is really nice. Uh, I guess I'm doing a better job at not rambling too much. But as mentioned, today is all about the legal world. Um, sometimes, as you know, when you are an adult in the adult industry, actually, there can be a lot of legal matters uh, that you might not be aware of, or maybe contracts, perhaps. You might not know or understand um, what you are signing, what you're getting yourself into, but it is really, really important to have your butt covered, which is why I'm bringing on today Corey Silverstein of Silverstein Legal, who's an uh, attorney based in Michigan here um, in the USA, and he specializes in the adult industry. So it's really, really niche. It's really cool. Very fascinating. Corey is a I've seen him basically at all these trade shows. I think we met actually last year really briefly at the Why Not Reunion, and I missed your presentation at Internext. I also saw you were at Expiz as well. So, And plus, you've had decades and decades of experience in the adult industry. I'm so excited to finally bring you on to the show. Please welcome Corey Silverstein. I was waiting for the standing ovation, but I don't hear anything. So I guess the... <laughs> I guess the live audience doesn't give the standing ovation. So I'm just, I'm pretending right now that I hear like all these people clapping for me and that I'm like walking through a curtain like a professional wrestler or something. And like all these people are so excited. So you're just going to have to, you'll have to indulge my moment while I'm acknowledging the crowd here. So I'll add that in. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's my pleasure to be here. Uh, I can't thank you enough. I've actually uh, been a long time. Uh, Twitter stalker of yours, and uh, I've, I've followed your postings and such, and uh, I think you are an absolutely amazing contribution to the adult entertainment industry, and uh, hopefully the adult entertainment industry as, as a whole values all of the amazing information and resources that you've been able to provide, because it's just absolutely awesome. So it, it's my pleasure to be here today. Thank you. And yes, you were requested to be on the show um, by some people on Twitter, so Shout out to those peeps who wanted you on because obviously like with with adult work, there is it, it can be entangled with a lot of legal mess, um, which is why we want to bring you on to the show to kind of get your expertise um, and get your insight on all of this. But kind of before we get started to um, I just want to make sure that I did your intro correctly. Um, how would you describe yourself to the audience like if you in your own words and terms? In my own terms, well, I would describe myself as absolutely amazing. Uh, I have amazing brown. Oh, wait. We're, I'm sorry. We're, we're talking about my legal qualifications, not my, my personal. Well, for my legal qualifications, I would, I would indicate that I'm an adult entertainment lawyer or adult industry attorney, whatever acronym you want to do. Um, I've been in the adult entertainment industry now for, God, good 17 years, maybe longer. I don't know. Time kind of moves pretty fast. Um, but I think you're spot on adult, adult industry lawyer, adult entertainment lawyer, all those are, are probably perfect. <laughs> and Corey, how does one become an adult 
<laughs> industry lawyer. That seems very niche. I just I'm curious to hear about your journey into law and and how and why you decide to specialize and go down this particular pathway. A lot of alcohol. I mean, it was a ton of drinking. And no, uh, all kidding aside, um, it, I have a kind of a unique story. It was uh, like many people who actually got their start in, in adult entertainment work, especially on on this side of the, the camera. Um, growing up, I was a tech geek. Uh, I was always fascinated with the internet, computer technology. Um, and just, you know, I, I was one of those excited people when I was still browsing the internet with a 14.4 KBS modem. Yes, for those of you that understood what I just said, I said 14 KBS. <laughs> that was when like that was when like we used to be surfing for porn and you'd get like so excited because it'd be loading like line by line by line. Like, oh my God, here comes the boob. Here comes the boob. Here comes the boob. Oh my God. So I come from I, I come from that time of the internet. Um, so a little bit of a different time, but I was a tech dork uh, like like most others, and and that actually ended up leading me to uh, Purdue University for my my undergraduate studies, where uh, I focused on computer technology while I was there. Um, after um, undergrad, um, it was just a one of those things where I I had been again so intrigued by internet internet technology and and online marketplace and so forth that I ended up doing some some homework and researching uh, getting uh, into the adult entertainment industry. And so um, I was introduced to uh, one gentleman who actually my, my first, the first person I met in the industry completely ripped me off. Oh, no. uh, he, he, he ran away with uh, the, the la with the only $15,000 I was able to scrounge up and sold me absolutely nothing. But oh, gosh. during the course of all that misery, I actually met another gentleman who, who felt bad for the experience I had gone through. And so he actually uh, sold me an affiliate program and 33 pay sites. It was called Sinbux. Uh, Some of you might remember it if you're old enough. <laughs> um, so we operated 33 uh, pay sites and that was my, my fast education into adults. So while I was in law school, I was actually running these adult entertainment websites and I was using uh, the money I was making from that to pay for law school. And so, so the strange transition was that at the end of law school, I had met so many amazing people in the adult entertainment landscape. And I was, I was just, you know, so intrigued by the first amendment, free speech and advocacy that it all just kind of came together. And the next thing you know, I'm selling the, the websites and the program I was running. And I started with one adult client in one country. And now we represent, I'm uh, very proud that I have over 300 clients in more than 24 different countries. So it's, uh, that was kind of my, my strange path into the industry. <laughs> that is actually a really interesting story too, because I actually didn't know that you had prior experience before um, you started your basically your law firm, and um, that's that's fascinating. It's really cool that you already kind of like dip your feet and um, had exposure to the adult industry beforehand. Because I feel like sometimes if you're uh, kind of an outsider looking in and trying to permeate into the adult community, it can be um, really hard uh, that way. So it's it's good that you already had a bit of insight into that as well. It was a different time. It was a definitely. It was definitely. I would call it scary and lonely times. But ultimately, when you're suddenly running 33 adult pay sites and you have, you know, huge name adult entertainment stars that are on your payroll that you have to 
you know, pay and get them make sure that the content's being shot. And this was a different time. You know, remember back back then you weren't, you know, most performers weren't creating their own content. I was in the business of, you know, buying content. And so we were having to produce and we were having to get our websites up and make sure that our customers were happy. And it was it was just a totally different, you know, different experience than than it is right now, because, you know, obviously so many uh, performers now have the ability to be in business for themselves, which is obviously a, just an amazing opportunity. Totally. I mean, going back to those early days <laughs> when you're running these 33 websites, did you have any idea? I mean, you had the, the computer science background already to kind of navigate through that, but um, kind of navigating through adults, um, did you have any idea at all? Or like, and you mentioned it, like it was pretty isolating too. Did that mean it was just because um, you didn't have the experience or just like didn't know where to go or like didn't have the familiarity with the industry at the time? I was lucky because ultimately I, I, I got into, um, I got hooked up with, with a gentleman who was well known in the industry and had a lot of friends and resources and such. So I had a little bit of a, of a, I guess you can say a little bit of a easier start than, than some would who know nobody, but ultimately the transition in terms of jumping into an industry that nobody knows who you are. And I mean, look, I, I, I was at, I was around at a time when at trade shows, they were giving away uh, Ferrari leases to affiliates because it was such a different, it was such a different industry and, and different time. So at first it's, you know, it, it can be pretty overwhelming where you're, you're trying to meet the right people and you're trying to get into the right circles who, you know, will work with you and, and, you know, in, in many ways you're trying to, it's almost, it's kind of comical, but in many ways you, you're trying to get into the right crowd, so to speak, like, you know, you know, you want to be with people that share similar values and such, and, and also are open to taking in, you know, someone who's new to the industry, because ultimately I, back then we, I was referred to as a newbie. That's what we used to call them. I don't know <laughs> if everyone uses that, that word anymore, but I, I was a newbie and, and it, it takes a while to, you know, gain the trust of other people in the industry, get to know people in the industry, and ultimately, you know, get into that position where people are comfortable enough with sharing their thoughts and ideas to share with you because they want to help you succeed. And that is kind of the, you know, the baby, the first steps and, and things, you know, speed up quite a bit after that. But at first it's, it can be a, it can be a, an intimidating and lonely process. Yeah. And a scary process too. I mean, when you started, oh, sure. when you sold and then you leapt into um, the legal side of things with adult, did you find it was a similar experience or by that time, like, okay, like I got the lay of the land a little bit, but because it was a different, um, I guess, a career switch at that point did you have similar kind of experience in terms of like okay this is this is hard this is isolating this is i'm new again i'm a newbie <laughs> in in one sector yes in one sector no that was in so that was in 2006 when i made the transition from being a website operator slash affiliate to being a uh, an attorney in the industry it was easier for me because, frankly, it was easy for me to use the relationships with people that I had met to, you know, become their attorneys. And almost all of them have still been my clients after 17 years or whatever it's been. Um, on, another, on another front, though, some of the other lawyers who were um, around in the industry at that time in 06, um, some of them were quite friendly, but there were others that were quite 
unfriendly and were not very receptive. Um, part of it, I guess I could consider a compliment because, you know, I was perceived as somewhat as a, of a threat to the established quo. There had been no one who had been a website operator and actually become an attorney before. Um, and then part of it is just, you know, frankly, lawyers can be assholes and dicks and they, Correct. they just didn't, they just didn't want me around. Yeah. Um, but, um, so it was kind of a mix, mixed bag, but it wasn't nearly as, as difficult as it was when I first, you know, got my start just simply being an affiliate and website operator. Right. Yeah. It's definitely very, very, very different. And I guess like jumping to, yeah, this part of, of your career where you're, yeah, an attorney where you, you represent so many people. Let's talk about those people. Um, who are your clients mainly? And I know you have a long list on your website of who these people might be, <laughs> but let's, let's go over that. Like, who do you represent? Well, I'm very, pr I'm very proud of, of, you know, the clientele that I've established and my clientele is very diverse. Um, it spreads from, we can, we can talk about starting at individual performers all over the world. When I talk about individual performers, I talk about performers that are potentially still filming conventionally. When I say conventional production, some people don't know what that means because it's kind of a term from the, you know, the, the past era of adult. And that's where a performer is simply hired by a producer, does the shoot and does nothing else versus nowadays where, you know, production is very much self-production, self-content creation, et cetera. So I have performers like that. Uh, I have performers that are uh, campsite performers, clip store creators, um, uh, dancers, exotic dancers, burlesque dancers, uh, sex workers. Um, the list goes on and on and on. Then from there, I also have the, the privilege of, of representing large companies that provide services to, to the adult industry, such as, uh, to give you some examples, and I'm very, just so everyone knows, um, I am a king of secrets and I'm very protective of confidentiality. So the people and companies that I'm about to mention, I'm only mentioning because they're okay with me saying that I represent them. Smart. Uh, but, <laughs> well, there's companies like, companies like mojo host mojo host is the largest uh web host for adult entertainment in the world mm -hmm. uh, i've been fortunate to be their lawyer for god 15 17 years now i can't even remember Incredible. uh seg segpay segpay is the largest payment processor uh psp processor in uh the uh in the adult web in the adult entertainment space i happen to represent them uh same thing with pays they're another processor and then you start getting into the large platforms that, that I represent. And now we're talking about businesses, websites, the cam platforms, uh, sites like Clip, clips for sale is a long-term client that, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of the work we've done with them. Um, I've had the pleasure of, of working with some of the biggest named, um, you know, uh, adult brands in, in the world. And, uh, fortunately for me, I've got clients in over, I believe it's over 20, it's 23 or 24 different countries now, which is truly incredible. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it's just, it, it's a lot of fun. We represent cam platforms and social media platforms. Uh, now we we're uh, the, the whole aspect of social media management is exploded. And so I'm working with a ton of companies uh, in that field, helping them get set up and make sure that they're, you know, behaving appropriately. And then at the same time, I, for my entire career, I've been dedicated to fighting any sort of attacks on free speech. So uh, that, that includes kind of criminal defense when the government ch chooses to get aggressive. 
um, and tries to attack sex workers, whatever in whatever means that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've represented I've represented individuals uh, and businesses who have been subject to criminal investigations, charges, federal investigations, state investigations, and the list goes on. Oh my gosh, that's an incredible yeah. portfolio, and you should definitely be proud. Like huge congratulations, that's amazing milestones of success for you. Is, is this where our our fake wrestling audience is cheering for us again? Like, <laughs> I'm going to add those sounds in. Maybe I should. <laughs> the and I, like I, I think it would be really cool if, if like your interviews had entrance music too. Wouldn't that be like real neat? If I could, like pick a cool song and I come like, you know, getting into my seat. Maybe I'll have oh. to do that from here on out. <laughs> you know, I'd probably pick like Guns and Roses or something like that, and you know. We'd have to be careful with how much of the clip we use because, again, we have to worry about trade intellectual property enforcement. So. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, we want to make sure we're only going fair use. So. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, we can that that'll be like another like rabbit hole. But <laughs> I want to talk about um, why it's important for sex workers and any any person who's part of the adult industry to have um, an attorney, and maybe those. Um, Maybe those answers might be obvious to some, but there's a lot of people to the show that are so far away from this industry as well. So I'd love for you to kind of go into that and elaborate. Yeah, I mean, your question is phenomenal. And to put it blatantly, there are, and, and forgive me, because, you know, there's so many different categories now of, of, of sex entertainers. You know, we have sex workers, we have cam performers, cam models and, and clip models and there's so many definitions and titles that I, you know, so when I, when I use the term sex workers or, or adult entertainers, I really am referring to all the categories. I'm trying to lump it into one. Otherwise we'd be sitting here all day and me, you know, reading off all the different titles, but you know, the biggest thing for, for anybody who is in the adult entertainment business, you know, they oftentimes are, they feel the stigma and almost like they're embarrassed because they don't know who to call, they don't know who to go to, because they want, they know that to some degree in their mind, they need legal advice, but they're embarrassed because they may not have the resources or, or they, you know, they go to their, their family friend lawyer and, and they can't talk to them because they don't want them knowing they're in the adult entertainment industry or, or they're afraid to reach out to a lawyer because they're afraid of the, the continuing mainstream stigma against sex workers, which is a real thing, Steph. I mean, I, I, I talk about this all the time and, and uh, sex work stigma is real. Um, anyone who doesn't understand that, um, I encourage you to take a look and do your own research, but it won't take you long to see, you know, how the mainstream media wants to portray this industry. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not like that. And so right away, you have people being afraid of the stigma. And so because of that, they almost naturally want to protect themselves. So you almost like shell up like a turtle and you don't go out there and go find the resource that you need. When in fact, being in this in this industry, you get hit with everything. I mean, you got to really think about, you know, what industry in the world is has so many different legal issues that affect it. We're talking criminal law. We're talking contract law. Mm-hmm. We're talking international law. We're talking litigation. We're talking... Uh, dispute resolution, intellectual property. Being an adult entertainment lawyer is not the sort of law that you can just be a one-track pony, so to speak. You can't just jump in to being an adult entertainment lawyer and only knowing about divorce law. It doesn't work that way. You need to have 
a bunch of different categories of knowledge all bunched together because ultimately the adult entertainment business is such a high risk industry and there are so many different rules, regulations and pitfalls that oftentimes people just again, they get overwhelmed and they don't show up, they don't show up and get the help. But the message I've always tried to give is I've tried to send the message that, hey, it's not like that. There are adult entertainment lawyers out there. Yes, you've got to do your homework to find them. Um, but they're there and you should always have representation because everyone who's entering or in the adult entertainment industry should always remember that they have rights. You know, mm. mainstream media wants you to feel like a second class citizen, but you're not quite the opposite. I'm actually proud of adult entertainers because I find them to be artists. I find them to be people who are proud of the fact that they share their bodies, their minds, their souls with the entire world to see. And I don't believe it's fair that they should ever be in a position where an adult entertainment uh, performer or someone not a performer, someone who works another you know area of the industry, they should never be fearful or hesitant to get a lawyer. That's just not right. Totally. Um, and there's so many things here. I mean, something like a bell is ringing in my head is a trust. Um, it's really hard to find someone you trust with, with one, basically your business. And two, um, for some people, as you mentioned, like my family, not all of my family knows that I do adult work and that's fine. That's my own choice. But like, it's hard to find um, people also like in terms of like lawyers who are not going to judge you for what it is that you do. And, and also adult lawyer like that seems so niche as i said earlier in the interview too it's super niche and it's just like how do you even find that like i, I didn't even really know those people really existed <laughs> beforehand We're, we we are there there's not there there's far less of us left um and, and in my opinion there's there's only a small group that actually know what they're doing um I, I actually think there there's some very bad lawyers out there that portray themselves as adult entertainment lawyers and Frankly, they terrify me because they have no idea what they're talking about. Um, either they are motivated by getting to be around the adult entertainment industry, mm -hmm. or some, some you know desire for for money or or whatever it is. But ultimately, um, I was very lucky. Uh, I had um, when I was younger, I had a uh, an attorney in the in our industry who'd been in our industry for for longer than me, Lawrence Walters, and uh, I reached out to Larry. This is you know the truth. I reached out to Larry and and I told him I said Larry I'd been I, I used to watch Larry give presentations when I was in the industry as a as a website operator, and I said to, I said to Larry I said you know how cool would it be if I get to learn from basically the guy that I consider the greatest ever, and. And so now Larry and I, after we've worked together for years, we have what's called an of counsel relationship, which is where we, we've pooled our, our firm resources together so that Larry and I can provide, you know, so many uh, options to our clients that frankly, no one would, would have access to. So I was fortunate and, wow. and listen, you know, it's one thing I'll, I'll tell you that I, that I've learned about lawyering is that you put, you put two lawyers in a room, you're going to end up with three opinions <laughs> and that's, that's that, that's just a fact of the matter. But lawyers can be very dangerous because some of them really do. They talk out of their asses. They don't know what they're talking about and they can be very dangerous. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the reasons why I've told my clients over the years and, I, and I've 
begged people in the industry. I said, hey, I said, make sure that you know who you're working with. Okay. Don't go working with some fly by night who just pops up one day and starts showing up at trade shows as, oh, hi, everyone. I'm here. I'm an adult industry lawyer. Really? What experience do you have? Yeah. What qualifications do you have? Um, and so we are out there. And, and you know, I've, make, I've made it a point to be very active um, on Twitter, on social media. Um, and I've tried my hardest to, you know, kind of let the world know that I'm out there. And, uh, you know, we've, I do, I've done... I couldn't even tell you how many seminars and presentations now all across the world. I've done presentations in the United States, Canada, Amsterdam, uh, Colombia, uh, Czech Republic. I mean, the list just goes on to all the different countries and places where I've given, given legal presentations. And and a lot of them ask the same thing, like, wow, you know, I didn't know like lawyers like you exist. We, we are there. And again, you're looking for someone who has the experience, who frankly, has the heart and someone who truly is going to, you know, is interested in, in promoting free speech and helping you and your platform and not themselves. And that's a big, a big deal. Yeah, that's, that's a, I'm glad you addressed that too. Cause I mean, like good cop, bad cop, there's a lot of, and I just feel like the general stereotype is like, no one likes lawyers. Right. And it's just like, no. uh, <laughs> Okay, we like you, Corey. <laughs> no, they don't. But I have, you know, one thing about me, I, I've mm -hmm. challenged people and I've said, listen, mm -hmm. I, I said, if you, you know, look, if, if I represent someone and, and someone's on the other side of me, I wouldn't want to really want to know me either. I'm not a very pleasant person to deal with if I'm if I'm suing you or whatever. But ultimately, I'm very I'm very proud of the fact that even even for people that I've had to sue in this industry. Um, Ultimately, you won't find anyone that'll ever say, I don't respect Corey or I think he's, you know, personally a dickhead or anything like that, because it's that's not how I treat it. I, I don't I don't view the industry as, you know, a place to run around and just sue everybody. That's that's not what the point is. The point is, is actually to help promote a safe, legally compliant atmosphere so that people can do what they want to do, which is sharing their talent, sharing their content and guess what? Making money. That's what you guys are here to do. You're here to make money and you guys want to be able to make money without, you know, oppression from other people in the business, oppression from the United States government, oppression from different state governments. You know, that's that, that's what I'm here for. Mm -hmm, definitely. And what I like about you, I mean, like, obviously, because you've had experience like within our industry, too, and you've had these decades of experience as well, like on top of that, but also like, Again, like your advocacy, um, I keep seeing your name everywhere, as mentioned earlier. Like you have that rapport with our industry and like it, it shows and demonstrates that you're you're trusted as opposed to like maybe the other folks that are out there that, as you mentioned, they just kind of show up out of nowhere and be like, who are you? <laughs> Never heard of you before. They're, they're one day gone the next, you know, yeah. cut, cut, we've had some, there's been some bad examples over the years of, of lawyers who just show up one day and say, I'm an adult entertainment lawyer. And it's actually terrifying um, because they really are, are quite dangerous. Um, I think that it's important, though. You know, I've always felt it's important for people to understand. I'm, I'm actually very proud of it. You know, people have, have said before, you know, they, they, they use titles. They say, oh, you know, that's the porn lawyer or that's the whatever lawyer. And, and I said, you can call me whatever the hell you want. I don't it doesn't it doesn't matter what you call me. As far as I'm concerned, I'm proud of the fact that. I get to represent people who are mainly trying to do what? 
exercise their First Amendment rights, exercise their rights to free speech. Mm-hmm. The answers, I mean, when, when you start talking about, about dancer stuff, you start talking about a category of people like, like how often in the news across the world have topless dancers or all new dancers just been trashed and, and, and you know, decimated by, by the media or by right-wing politics. I mean, it's disgusting and, and it, it drives me crazy. So I, I happen to represent Frank, the, literally the most successful uh, bar uh, adult entertainment uh, strip club operator in this in the state of Michigan, and frankly, one of the most well known in, in the uh, in the world, who's written a book and has had TV shows made off of him, and I'm very proud of the work that I've done with him because I I, I can't stand it when I when I get calls or emails from a performer who says, "Hey, I just tried to go to work and there was a line of protesters, mm-hmm. you know, in front of the door." Um, most recently, even in Toronto, this was just going on. I think it was last summer, the summer before. Um, and a bunch of my clients had to, you know, petition and pick it outside of outside of clubs and government offices. Yeah. But, so it's, it, you know, it, it alarms the hell out of me when I see things like this. Yeah. And I'm glad that you're speaking up about it as well, um, because like we need more voices like yourself and we need, we need that um, the backup, you know, um, because our voice alone isn't enough. Right. So I am I'm always happy to be the loudest person in the room if. I have to be. I'd rather not. I actually, frankly, I'd rather just sit in the back of the room and just be quiet. But if I have to be the loudest guy in the room, I'm more than happy to do it. Uh, I spend a lot of my time. I, I spend a lot of my time doing charitable work. Also, I'm I'm a very proud board member. I'm one of the original board members of Pineapple Support. Oh, nice! Uh, Amazing. Yeah. So pineapple Pineapple Support provides mental health services yeah. to uh, anyone in the adult entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really matter what facet you're in. But I've been um, I'm, I'm so proud of my work that we've done with that because we've actually been uh, helping so many uh, people heal, get help they need, deal with, you know, psychological things they got going on. I'm very proud of the fact that we, we've been able to prevent suicides. The organization is doing absolutely amazing. Um, so I'm proud to be a, a, a board member on Pineapple Support. Um, I've also, you know, I've been on legal committees for virtually every adult entertainment industry organization you can think of where uh, we do not I, I have not received a dime or a penny for my services and never will and and i didn't ask for it because that's not what i'm that's not what i'm looking for um i think that it's important for you know people in this realm the, the legal end of adult entertainment to be making sure that they're also giving back where they they can and so when i find the right you know groups charities to take part in i usually jump on those pretty aggressively. I love them. And we don't hear about that enough too. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that as well. And we will be having someone on from Pineapple Support. Hopefully I'm still working on that, but I know a lot of people have been wanting for another like therapist type of um, episode. So stay tuned for those who are listening. It is coming. He's here. You you got one of the original board members here right now. <laughs> Half counts. <laughs> but going back. I'd be more than ever- Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I'm not a licensed therapist, but I'd be more than happy if you want Leia, because that's who everybody always wants. Everybody wants Leia. I'd be more than happy to help you get Leia on the show. It'd be my pleasure. I'm going to be t- speaking to you about that after this. <laughs> There's no problem at all. We can, we can 
Guy Leia and tell her that we need her. It's no problem at all. But back to you because um, we have so much to cover today. Um, I know that we were talking about like in our, our notes earlier as well. Um, you mentioned a point here, like why do sex uh, sex workers not operate as conventional business operation? And the question after that is, should they? And I'm curious to kind of get into this part of the conversation as well. Amazing question, and I'm I'm so happy that you're asking that. And I I knew you would because you're show is so damn inquisitive and good that I figured you'd pick up on that one. The uh, When you're talking about adult entertainment, adult entertainers, they too often, again, because of media stereotypes, because of their own lack of education, lack of information. And I'm not saying they're not, you know, not educated. Like I'm not calling people like, you know, elementary school dropouts, but because there's just not enough education out there for them to have that they don't realize that adult entertainment yes it's amazing that you're sharing your art sharing your mind your soul your body with the world because that's what you want to do but it is a business your most valuable asset is you correct and people just they don't I, I don't know what it is, and, I, and, I, and I've been trying for, you know, 15 years to, to, if I had a hammer, I'd be banging this into people's heads because I'm like, please, 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 will you all listen to me when I tell you that your product is a business? Your product is you. It doesn't matter that you're not selling batteries, okay? You're not out there like Duracell or Energizer, and that's your business. You're in the battery business. It doesn't matter. Steph, in, in, in your example, using you, you're in the Steph business. That's what your business is. What is your product? Your product is Steph. Whether that's your podcast, whether that's your performances, whatever it is, you have to view it as a business. And in order to do that, there's different things you can do to protect yourself, like having a lead, like forming a legal entity and making sure that all of the assets you're creating are going into that legal entity. Combined with that, one of the other things you have to think about is protecting yourself because, look, there, there's always times in every business. Again, I'm going back to the battery example. I don't know why I'm thinking about batteries right now. <laughs> no idea. But, you know, battery manufacturers like Dur- you know, Duracell and Energizer, they get sued all the time. But they're in a position where they have everything set up because they know they're going to get sued and they know they're going to have legal problems because they're a business. As an adult entertainer, you need to be thinking the same way. You have to be thinking that, yes, there is a possibility that trouble could find my way. Will it? Look, we certainly hope not. But if it does, you want to be in a position where you've done everything you can do to protect yourself. And you, it isn't that complicated. Just even in, I'll just t- talk to, you know, about the U.S. right now. In the, in the United States, it isn't that complicated to form a limited liability company to make sure that you're doing business under that limited liability company and protecting your assets under that limited liability company. And at the same time, it's completely possible to do so with hiding your identity. Mm -hmm. Look, we know that adult entertainers are constantly have to watch over their back from potential issues with, with customers, with vendors, with people that just quite frankly are trying to make a mess because they don't particularly agree with with what you do and there's reasons why your identity and your safety and security is precious and i have helped over the years i couldn't even tell you how many it's in the hundreds by now 
hundreds of individuals set up entities without ever having to disclose their information so that someone just can't jump online and find out who's behind that company. That's one of the most common mistakes I see people making. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's important to protect yourself, protect your branding, protect, protecting who you are because you are the business at the end of the day. And I, I feel like a lot of people, and maybe this is just my observation with the people I might be surrounded with or work, say, for this, for this example, like not treating it as work, mm-hmm. treating it as just like, oh, it's just something I do on the side. No. <laughs> you know? There's... I hear that all the time. And listen, I get it. You know, people want to dab their, they, they want to kind of just like, you know, when you like, when you first, when you're like a child, right? And you first go to like a pond and you've never had your foot in like a big, large body of water before. And you kind of just tap your foot in, you know, and you're just like, eh, I, I don't know if I want to go in, you know, I'll just kind of put my foot in. I see that in adult entertainment where you have people who are in mainstream jobs and they're doing stuff. It's, you know, especially in the OnlyFans era, you know, in the OnlyFans era, you see so many people who are just like, well, you know, I'm kind of like a dentist during the day, but at night it'd be really cool if I can just kind of put my foot in the water and just give it a little taste. No, you, you if, if you're going to get into the water or get into the pond, so I, you know, with the analogy I'm giving here, you're in. And you've got to understand that, that, you know, you're in and, and another thing about being in, once you're in, you're never getting out. And, and I've tried to, t- I've tried to express this to people over the years and especially the internet is a unforgiving place. Yes. There is no coming back stuff. Mm-hmm. You go online, you're online forever. I've tried to explain this, you know, the greatest minds ever have tried to eliminate all presences of something that goes online. And they fail over and over again because it's you, you can't stop human beings from sharing something that they believe is, you know, shareworthy, so to speak. And, and and so it's oh, there's so many people that make you know before you jump into the adult entertainment industry, you need to have that conversation with a with a professional to understand that okay, do you understand what you're getting into? Do you understand that once you get in, there is the potential here? that you're in it forever. You can't go back. You can't erase your history as much as you'd love to. Is there anyone in your life that you could potentially lose because of this venture? Meaning, do you have a spouse, uh, a parent, someone that's so important to you that you absolutely couldn't live without them? Have you thought about the implications on those relationships, not after you jump into the industry, (laughs) but before you get into the industry? And, And this is one of the reasons why I've encouraged people over the years. It's like, I, I would much prefer that people come to me before they dive in mm-hmm. than after you know, have a lot of these conversations. I'm not telling you know everyone out there right now that it's not worth it. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm simply saying, make sure though you have all the information and you know everything that could possibly happen before you take that, that, that dive in. Yes. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And that's where I say there's a lack of information and education sharing. For sure. Yeah. And that's like another reason why I make the show too, because I know I understand like a lot of people listen to the show um, as a resource before they start to dive in and before they like, you know, kind of really get their feet wet. Um, 
but sometimes uh, <laughs> sometimes they're still like, oh, well, we'll just see how it goes. But, you know, that's actually a good thing. I should probably tell people about that too. Consult with a lawyer before you kind of go in fully deep. So um, another question, and this is just like something I thought of right now, that's just kind of like a side tangent. Um, talking about the internet and the internet being forever, um, I was curious too with your experience in terms of like, or if you haven't, I don't even know if you've had experience uh, in, in trying to get content removed from the internet, like DMCA yep. and whatnot. Sure. And and there are mechanisms. There are. There, there. I've had people come to me that are active performers, that their content has been stolen by pirates and it's, it's all over the internet and, and they want assistance with getting that content taken down. We've done that. I've also had clients come to me who have decided that they're at a different point in their life now. Maybe they are in a new relationship and they're trying to erase their past and, you know, are trying to get content taken down or they're trying to acquire rights to it. I've represented people like that also. I've also represented people on the other side of the equation. I've represented companies that, you know, have received letters from performers saying, hey, you know, I've changed my mind. I don't want to be online anymore. I don't want this content out there anymore. So I've been involved in this from both ends. Mm. And, you know, it's very much a case by case situation. You know, it, I can't tell you stuff that there's that there's a, you know, one common ending to all of those stories. It's actually it, it's very different how all the situations ultimately conclude. And it, it's very dependent on you know, the specific facts. Of course, of course. I know a lot of people are usually curious about that too. Like, what do I do? What, how do I get this removed, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But it's, it's tricky. I'll have to send people your way <laughs> for that. Uh, Listen, I, 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 I love everybody in this industry and, I'm, and I'm, I'm always happy to help where I can. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, like going along those lines too, and now we're kind of getting more so like with like governmental like laws and, and politics and how um, like say like human trafficking is always being a topic of conversation in a lot of people's campaigns. Um, this is tricky. This is problematic. This is overtly bad, I want to say, for sex workers in general. But what are your thoughts on that? Is this something that's going to continue happening or how do you see it? Amazing question. And and look, the fact is, is that right now we are seeing a lot of right wing slash religious groups that are doing everything they humanly can to try to make, you know, adult entertainment is as difficult as possible to put out there. And one of the things that politicians are really, really good at, it's called the spin. Okay. The spin is when a politician says one thing, but then in the law that they put forth means something completely different. For example, FOSTA-SESTA has been crippling on the sex worker industry, escort industry, obviously in the United States and, and throughout the world. Um, and FOSTA SEFSTA, in my opinion, is, is, is unconstitutional. And I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that the Woodhill Freedom Foundation continues to fight the, that challenge in, in court in D.C. And I, and I hope that ultimately we're going to get rid of that law. But here's what the, 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 the slick politicians do. And this is where I, I call it the spin. The politicians write a law that... They call it the 
Save the Children from Imminent Harm Act. Yes, always. Okay. <laughs> and then they fill it up with all sorts of anti-free speech language and verbiage and definitions of adult content and definitions of pornography and sex acts and what have you that are, have nothing to do with protecting children. But here's where the spin, as I call it, here's how they get away with it. They get away with it because if you go up to a politician, if you're, if you're a, a journalist and you stick this bill in their face and you say, Senator, you're telling us that you don't support the protection of children? And they look up and they say, wait, what are you talking about? And quickly they're signing off on the bill because they don't want to be the politician that is getting thrown into the spotlight supposedly because they're not protecting children when in reality you have a law that has nothing to do with protecting children and is just filled with right-wing ideology, religious ideology, suppression of speech ideology. Right. That's what that's what FOSTA SESTA was. Mm -hmm. Okay. FOSTA SESTA, if you actually took and I've I've challenged senators on this before. I've I've done it on social media and I've said, hey, if any of you want to sit down and have a public or private conversation with me, the first question I would ask is explain to me what FOSTA SESTA is. Mm-hmm. Other than just reading the title of the statute. <laughs> And they don't know. They don't know what it means. They don't know how it's implicated because truthfully, some assistant and lobbyist shoved it in their faces and they don't have any clue what it really did. Right. They wanted to run around, for example, with FOSTA-SESA, and they wanted to claim that stopping online escort agencies was a necessity. But when they did this, did they bother going and talking to people in the actual sex industry? Did they go and talk to sex workers? No, because the fact is, Steph, the fact is, is that these online platforms served a dual purpose. One, obviously, it created commerce and it allowed for sex workers to engage with potential customers. But the second thing that it did is it provided a level of security Mm -hmm. because ultimately there was a vetting process. There was a process where a person would be able to learn about another person through submission of ID, um, vetting processes, reference checks, et cetera. And if you talk to law enforcement, I'm not talking about the law enforcement that wears suits up on Capitol Hill. I'm talking about the detectives, the sergeants that are in uniforms working cases. Mm -hmm. They will tell you that FOSTA-SESTA didn't help them. It hurt them Mm -hmm. because when they removed all these online platforms, These online platforms were always cooperating with law enforcement. If someone was legitimately in in, in danger, which, listen, I am not suggesting that there has never been an instance where a platform was abused for the purposes of, of nefarious purposes. I'm not saying that. But the platform was able to share information with law enforcement to help get someone out of peril. Right. To help. But then when you take it away, do you think that sex workers are just going to stop working, that they're going to, they're going to say, okay, well, you know what? The website shut down. So I'm just, I'm not going to escort anymore. I'm not going to feed my family anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to McDonald's and I'm going to make $9 an hour flipping burgers. No, of course not. 
They continue to do what they're going to do. But now, because the online platform has been removed from the equation, where do they go back to? Pimps, organized crime, magazines, unsafe ventures, the streets. It is a ridiculous proposition to suggest that the removal of online platforms in any way made things safer. It is an absurdity. Yes. And to top it all off, before I get off my soapbox here, which is getting higher and higher by the second. <laughs> one more point on this that that is silly is that, you know, they try to, to, to the, the, the politicians behind it say, well, we needed this law because we needed to be able to prosecute people. That is absolute bullshit. There were plenty of laws on the books that were already there that they could utilize. Case in point, Backpage. When Backpage was, was shut down and prosecuted, wrongfully, by the way, in my opinion, but that's besides the point. They didn't use FOSTA-SESTA. Why? Because FOSTA-SESTA didn't exist at the time. They had the necessary laws on the books to be able to prosecute. So to suggest that FOSTA-SESTA was needed because there was some sort of law missing or something like that, absurd. Yeah. It is an absurd proposition. And again, it's the spin that I was telling you about earlier. Right. It's the political spin. Oh, gosh. And that's so frustrating, too, because like it's still crippling sex workers today. And then, as we all know, it just continues to further push this work underground. And, of course, um, putting sex workers uh, at high risk um, for assault, for being pimped, being trafficked, and, and those kind of senses. So it's just a loop, a cylindrical loop that, unfortunately, I, I don't know where the end is, of that is going to be. But... I'm really glad that you're able to put your two cents on that and and um, kind of let the audience you, know about this. Could you imagine a world, Steph, where lawmakers actually invited sex workers to D.C. and they actually sat in a boardroom with sex workers and actually listened to them instead of just making their own assumptions about what, you know, the mainstream media wants to portray the, the adult entertainment? You know, I always give this example that mainstream media wants to like portray the adult industry as like a dirty mattress in the middle of a warehouse somewhere with used syringes sticking out of oh every appendage gosh. of the person's body. But the fact is, is that if anyone actually takes the time to get to know a professional adult entertainment company or studio or what have you, you'll actually find that their, their locations are cleaner than the floors at most dental offices. <laughs> Correct. Correct. And it's and and I know, you know, nobody wants to talk about that, yeah. but it's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it's a fact. And and it's it's a disturbing fact that we still live in this world where sex workers are continuously having to battle a image that simply isn't reality. Yeah, and it's so old. I mean, since it's, it's so tiresome seeing the same old narrative um, constantly being portrayed again and again. And all we want is just a seat at the table, just to, to actually consult with us, actually talk with us to see how our, our work is being operated. Check in with us. Is that so much to ask for? <laughs> and exactly. And there, you know, I, I there are some, you know, call them more mainstream media sources that historically haven't really covered as much in the adult entertainment Vice News, Rolling Stone, for example, that are now covering us a lot more. And I'm very happy that they are, because instead of giving the perspective of a, of a um, 
one directional journalist. They're giving you actual journalistic writing about here's the people on the ground. Here's the performers telling you what they think of this situation, not just what, you know, some politician who has absolutely no idea where even they could find a uh, an adult content studio, you know, let, let alone ask them to see what one looks like. Right. And, look, I, I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not suggesting stuff that there's not, you know, bad players out there. Every industry in this world has bad players. The fact is that as long as there's money in this world, and there's people that are completely motivated by greed, unfortunately, you are going to find that every industry has unethical, immoral people. That is a fact of life. Do I wish it didn't exist? Of course, but I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't. But the gross majority of the adult entertainment industry are made up of fantastic entrepreneurs who are fantastic people. And of course, when, when they get that story about the one guy or the one company. Oh my gosh. Something wrong. I mean, you would think that that company invented the nuclear bomb. <laughs> I, I mean, the, 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 and I'm not saying to you that, that what some of these people did isn't horrifically bad because quite frankly, it is. There is no place in this industry for people that abuse other human beings. Yes. Period. Period. End of story. There's no excuse. You're not wanted in this industry. Frankly, you don't belong. You don't belong with the rest of us in public. You do deserve to go to a cell. Yeah. If you are going to uh, engage in 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 abuse of human beings, engage in unlawful practices, then you know what you're going to get what you deserve. But to take a small instance that might happen once every, you know. 10, 15 years in an industry, whereas we could look at Wall Street, where you've got people getting, you know, destroyed and lives ruined every single day. Yes. But you don't see nearly the atomic bomb story that they put up when, you know, someone in the industry gets in trouble for something. And, and again, I am not suggesting that there aren't bad players out there that need to be punished. Quite, quite the contrary. I think they are out there. Mm-hmm. What I'm suggesting, though, is that the treatment that the entire industry gets every time one person may do something stupid or wrong or unlawful or immoral to attribute that to an entire industry is wrong. Oh, absolutely. And they, they love to blow shit up all the time um, and blow things out of proportion or just take or like misquote someone and take that and like spew that out of context. It's really frustrating. And unfortunately, a lot of the world hates sex workers. Um and again, this is why the stereotype just keeps continually being perpetuated for so, so long, which is frustrating. You know, and it's interesting because, you know, you, you know what I've learned about those people that hate sex workers so much, Steph? They they are the most sexually repressed freaks out there. Yes. They, <laughs> they, they are the ones with some of the most pent up sexual frustrations and lack of understanding of, of sex that I've ever come across in, in, in my life. So it's just, it, it, it's interesting because I'm like, all right, well, I mean, it's, 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 not, it's not exactly 1760 anymore, but <laughs> in your world, it seems to be. There's definitely truth in that. 
Um, just before we head into questions, Corey, I know I really am interested in speaking about this next little bit um, in terms of like accessibility in ter- um, for, for legal resources for sex workers. You started oh. Adult.Law, and I'm curious, yes. tell, what the, tell the audience, first of all, what Adult.Law is and tell us more about this amazing subscription service that you have. Adult.Law was my COVID baby. Everybody had, oh. you know, either real either had real COVID babies or they had business COVID babies. (laughs) I had a business COVID baby. Uh, During COVID, especially the the adult entertainment industry went through a massive transition. And we already had the fan sites like OnlyFans and Loyal Fans and, you know, all the, you know, the, the many vids and all the various different platforms. But what happened during COVID when people really couldn't go out and they still needed to make a living is they really realized it's like, shit, I can really do everything from my own living room without having to leave. At that point, I realized as I started getting a lot of inquiries online from performers who were like, listen, I just started doing this. I can't afford to pay a big retainer. A lot of performers are used to lawyers saying, well, I need a $10,000 retainer, what have you. They couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. So what I came up with was a platform built for performers, and that's where Adult.Law came from. Adult.Law is a subscription-based platform where for as little as 99 bucks, you can get yourself access to all sorts of legal resources. And it only goes up from there. You can get reduced pricing and you can get individual time with me, you know, specific projects worked on and so forth. And so I built Adult.Law because Frankly, performers said, hey, we need something that's a little bit more affordable, that's a little bit more simpler. And we've loaded it up with uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of educational videos and interviews and special guests and you name it, covering every topic you can imagine. In fact, I'll probably at some point, Steph, going to ask you to be a guest on one of our episodes because, frankly, you're so damn popular. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it was it was created as a resource, an affordable resource for performers. I love that because, and I didn't know it came out of COVID. That's so smart. And like, it's really great to have that accessibility because we were just talking about like lack of resources um, in the industry. And of course, when you're talking about legal fees and all the lawyer fees that come with us consulting with a lawyer, it can get really pricey and that can be a deterrent for lots of people where it's okay. I like, I need to get this kind of information, but it's very expensive. Okay. Then I'll just Google it or ask my friends and that can be really, really dangerous. So it's really awesome that you're able to come up with um, kind of like a middle ground and meet us halfway in between uh, to provide such resources for the adult community. So um, really, really cool, and I'm happy to share. That link is going to be in the in the link below if you haven't already checked the, the show notes for people that are listening. Um, but there is uh, there are a couple questions that did come in from the audience, Corey, that I feel it is time for us to kind of dive into. So let's do it. Let's let's just try. Let's just see how it is. So a lot of them are very specific, so we'll see how, <laughs> how much we can answer. So this battle. <laughs> we'll have to pull. We'll have to like maybe refer these people over to you after the show because <laughs> they're very specific. Do you ever watch? Do you ever watch Family Feud? I have not. Really, you've never watched Family Feud on TV, like with Steve Harvey and the dude that went. Oh yeah, yeah, that's and- right. Yes, no, I am. Family Feud, correct. So I'll get. I'll put up a big X every time it's a question that's like. Eh. <laughs> so then, 
and I'll add that that sound effect in as well if you want to do it yourself. Okay. So this person, this question came from Instagram, um, and this person is a dancer that is Canadian and has Mm -hmm. gotten banned Mm. basically from the U.S. So basically the question is that I've summarized is, do you have any insight on sex worker-related bans from Canada into the U.S. and if there's a possibility to overturn that? I uh, work with, by the way, to the to this person, uh, one little interesting fact about me is I'm actually was born in Montreal. I'm Canadian myself. What? A lot of people didn't, a lot of people didn't know that. Did not know. Um, there is a lot of different scenarios that, you know, can create a reason why you might have problems getting into the U.S. Um, but I actually have found a amazing immigration lawyer that I work with. Um, he's Michigan based also, but he, he represents clients all across the world. Um, there is always potentially an option. And until you speak with an immigration expert, um, don't assume that all your avenues are closed. There may be a way there are holes in immigration law more than any other area of the law in the world. I, it's some of the stuff I'm, I'm, I'm like stunned by when I learn about it. So to the person asking, so the person asking the question, I would say to you that what you really need is you need an immigration law specialist. If you need that person's name, you are more than welcome to reach out to me. I'm on Instagram. I'm at my adult. Oh, well, actually no, on, on Twitter, I'm (laughs) at my adult attorney on Instagram. I don't know what I am, but I'm something. Or you can reach out to Steph and she can tell you how to get a hold of me. But I'd be more than happy to introduce you to uh, an immigration lawyer that I, that I think can answer your questions. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll connect you too. And your Instagram handle is Corey Silverstein. <laughs> new to me. I, you learn something new every day. Um, next one is, um, this one came from Twitter. Buying back your performer name as a website domain name. How do you go about protecting yourself? Are there specific parts of your performer name that you need to keep and protect? Well, with performer names, the the first piece of advice I always give you is right from the start, consult with an intellectual property lawyer who can do some digging into the name you want to use because we can do searches on the United States Trademark Office's website to see whether or not anyone else is using that name. This is a big thing that people, you know, they do. They, they, they see a name in a movie and they, you know, they're like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, Sandry Bull Butts or, you know, something, you know, whatever they come up with. And, and it, I see stuff like this all the time, but it all starts with right from the start, you want to take a look at your name. Um, and right away, what you want to do is you want to register every possible main domain and social media handle related to that. So for example, if your name is going to, if your performer name is going to be Hottie Steph, we're just going to go with that. Very original. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Brilliant. You should be going online and you should be buying the hottiesteph.com.net.org, all the big ones. If that name's not available, choose a different name. It's hearing me loud and clear. Choose a different name. If you find out someone else is already using it, choose a different name. I don't care if your your friend's uncle's lawyer tells you, well, you know, that person doesn't have a trademark, so you can go ahead and use it too or what have you. No, be smart about this. Pick a stage name that isn't already taken. There are plenty of good names. You don't have to be, you know, like how many, 
like adult entertainers are there that their first name is something and their last name is blue, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, something blue. Yeah. You know, a lot of that. Betty blue, <laughs> Vicky blue, angel blue, Sarah blue. It's like, okay, can we, you know, use, let's put some thought into it. And at the same time, do a little bit of legal search into it. Again, mm -hmm. if you go online and that name is already taken, don't use that name. Use a different name. Yeah. Do some homework before you pick your name. And I'm not saying don't just pick a name because it's cool. Right. Okay. Remember we talked about earlier, Steph, this is a business. Your name, your brand is one of the most valuable parts of your business. Mm -hmm. Correct. Treat it as such, peoples. Treat it as such. Now, the last question, again, is very specific. I might have to <laughs> connect you to on Twitter. But this one came from Twitter. Um, it's a DM. So generally speaking, in terms of like how I was summarizing this, basically this person uh, is in full service work. Um, we were working for an agency and now this agency is trying to persuade new and current full service sex workers to sign a contract with a non-compete clause, saying that any new business opportunities presented to the, the contractor, which is them, um, belongs to the employer. And they're wondering if that is legal. It's, it, well, that's going to that's gonna greatly depend on where the person is located mm -hmm. and what choice of law provision is in the contract. In certain places, you know, such as California, for example, that would be completely unenforceable. Um, so it's, it's actually going to change substantially from state to state and jurisdiction to jurisdiction. However, for anyone that is being presented with a contract like that, I would encourage you not to sign it. Mm -hmm. Don't sign it because literally that sounds to me like a slavery contract. The fact that you apparently, if you have sex with someone, you can't have sex with that person again because your sexual relationship with that person is owned by the agency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Think about this right folks by. for a second. Think about, think, think about, I mean, think about what I'm saying here. If you, if you know, Hell, what if you fell in love with that customer? I'm not saying that's a good idea, but what if what, what if you wanted to have a, a relationship? What you're gonna have to go to the agency and say, "Hey, guess what? I fell in love, but I need your permission, agency, because I want to marry this person." It, it, it is so absurd. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It is so absurd. And you know, I the person that reached out to you, congrat. You know, good for you for your you know your bravery to ask the question. Um, but you definitely should you need to talk to a lawyer before you sign anything. Absolutely. And luckily, FYI, that person did not sign the contract and left that agency. So that is great. There you go. There you go. It's the like red flags all around for sure. Um, I wouldn't sign if I was a sex worker. So. Yeah. I mean, so you got to be careful with those contracts. Contact Corey if you want to look over some legal terms, if you want um, any kind of like reviewing for contracts. I know like a lot of contracts can be really overwhelming for people that are coming into the industry and you got to kind of like um, read everything with like a fine tooth comb. So, yeah. You know what people always say when, when some company throws a contract in front of you and they say, oh, don't worry about it. It's just legalese. Well, if it's just legalese, then why is it in the contract? Right. Got to question it. It it obviously means something and there's a reason the language is there. Don't short yourselves, people. If there's a contract, you always have the right to have it reviewed by an attorney, to discuss it with attorney. And also remember, until you sign it, until both parties sign, the only thing you got is a negotiation. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid to negotiate on yourself. Why is it that 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 performers and sex workers seem to think that they can't negotiate? You guys can negotiate. Absolutely. And if the party wanted to pay if you can't agree to terms, and you don't agree to terms. Exactly. There's no necessity that two parties agree to terms when they're negotiating. 
Mm -hmm. Be smart about it, peoples. <laughs> but with that being said, we're just going to wrap up here. But before I let you go, Corey, where can we all find you? So you can find me, uh, quite honestly, you can just open up a window, scream my name, kind of like Superman, <laughs> but that won't work. You can do it, but it won't work. I won't hear you and I won't show up. But if you want to find me, um, so you can you can obviously find me on Instagram. I'm, I'm on Instagram apparently as Corey Silverstein. Uh, Twitter is at, at myadultattorney. Um, my main website is myadultattorney.com. I don't think there's any way you guys can forget it because it's literally my adult attorney. Think about that. I'm your adult attorney. So my adult attorney. Um, you can reach out to me by email. I have contact forms across all of my websites. You can Google my name and I'm sure you'll be able to connect to me. Uh, you can email me. My office phone number is literally posted everywhere, including probably the side of every bus station in every major city. So you're more than welcome to call my office anytime you want. Um, you can reach out to, if you're having a problem getting a hold of me, you can always reach out to Steph and say, hey, Steph, that Corey dude, I, I stuck my head out the window and called his name and he didn't show up. <laughs> she knows how to get a hold of me. So, um, but myadultattorney.com is my, is my website. It's always going to be your best way to reach out to me. Um, but don't ever hesitate to reach out on Instagram, Twitter. Um, so long as I have an Instagram account, because you never know when they're going to ban me. That's true. Hey. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you never know. Um, but yeah, those are your, those are your, your, your best ways to get home. And of course, if you're a performer and you're interested in checking out our videos and signing up for adult.law, it's literally 99 bucks for legal services. Check it out. It's really simple. It's adult.law, not.com. Some people will be like, I can't find your site because I went to adultlaw.com. It's not .com. <laughs> it's adult.law. Perfect. All of those links and all the ways you can contact Corey is all going to be in the show notes below if you haven't checked that out already. Uh, be sure to reach out to him. Very accessible, very nice person. And if you want, if you wanted like a, a, a more formal introduction, I can go ahead and introdu introduce you to as well. I'm a nice guy. Or maybe you're an asshole. You told me to call you asshole earlier, so. <laughs> I thought you were a nice guy. You're okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Is this this is this this like dom sub thing going on here, where it's like you know, I I desperately reach for a compliment and you reach back by like smacking me in the face. Is that what this is? It could. We could turn it into that if you want to. But you have to pay me though. No, no, be no, no, no. <laughs> We're not going to go there. I'm, I'm, I'm fragile. I'm fragile. I'm good. For everyone else listening, if you're still here, it is <laughs> Stripped by Sia across all podcast platforms, as well as Stripped by Sia on Twitter, Stripped by Sia on Instagram. Um, where else am I? Uh, strippedbysia.com if you're interested in checking out all the episodes there that way as well. Or if you want to be a guest, that's the way to contact me that way. Patreon.com slash strippedbysia. Consider becoming a patron to help support the show. Um, and also don't forget to like, share, comment, subscribe. Um, maybe write a nice review on Apple. Rate five stars over there. Spotify, wherever you do. That just helps with accessibility overall in terms of people uh, finding the show. But with that being said, it's going to be new episodes every single Sunday. So be sure to check it out and stay tuned for another great episode next Sunday. Thank you so much, Corey. It's great having you on the show today. Pleasure's all mine. And it, it, like I said, it's an honor for me to be here. I, keep up the amazing work you're doing, Steph, because you're, share, you're sharing the message. And I love that. I think that is so incredible and so important. So it, it's my, my privilege. And I'd be happy to come on anytime you need me. <laughs>
thank you so, so much. <laughs>